Well, my friends, we are now well into the season of Lent, and during this season, we are going to be talking about sacrifice, extraordinary sacrifice. In preparation for celebrating, recognizing, giving thanks for the sacrifice of God and Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me and we'll study the word together. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us to find the ways that we can do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. So just the other day, my son and I passed the blood mobile at his school, and that precipitated a whole conversation about why do you give blood? Why, why do people need to do that? How much blood are we talking about? Why do people need this blood? I personally am a little squeamish about the whole thing, which is weird because I'm one of those people who is actually ineligible to, to give blood. But for as long as I can remember, I have had my own questions related to these blood drives. What, what if they can't find the vein? What if they accidentally take too much? What if they happen to use a dirty needle? What if giving of myself is actually going to harm me in the long run? It all sounds very selfish, doesn't it? It's not that my questions aren't legitimate questions, but they actually reveal some of the excuses that we hide behind when we simply just don't want to do something. They also reveal something else about us. They reveal those things that we do or do not trust. In the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about sacrifice as, as we head towards this ultimate sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And we're going to be looking at passages of Scripture that speak to different issues that surround sacrifice. Before you can even really consider what you're willing to sacrifice for God and his mission and ministry here on earth, you have to take a step back. You have to start with a foundational understanding and get a handle on what do you really believe about God. So before you even get to the point of sacrifice, you have to decide what do I personally believe about God. And a great way to start that conversation is by looking at this passage about Abraham and Isaac. Before we get back to the passage that Diane just read, I want to make sure that we have that background information on Abraham. Abraham was somebody who always had a very good relationship with God. He followed God anywhere that God led him. He did everything that God asked of him, and God made Abraham a promise. That promise was that Abraham's descendants would outnumber the stars and that through Abraham, all of the families on earth would be blessed. So Abraham was God's plan for God's people. Jesus is descended directly from the line of Abraham. And although Abraham followed God, there came a point where it started to appear to Abraham that, that maybe God's promises were false. Abraham and his wife Sarah were older. They had no kids. And God promised them that his descendants would outnumber the stars. It's really hard to have descendants if you don't have a, a child. And so, so God promises them again. 
And God says very specifically, Sarah, Sarah is going to be the one who's going to give birth to this child. So they wait a little while and nothing happens and they decide to take matters into their own hands. Sarah offers up her servant Hagar to bear Abraham a child. The plan works. That child is born. But God's promise was that Sarah would bear the son. And in the end, God fulfilled that promise. Isaac was born. So to review up to this point, God called, God promised, Abraham followed, God provided. That's the established pattern that Abraham is going to see in today in today's passage. God calls, God promises, Abraham follows, God provides. So after these things, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. God calls out to Abraham. This wasn't like a blanket call to everybody. This was a very specific call to Abraham. And the directions that God gives are super clear. Take Isaac. You know Isaac, Abraham. Remember Isaac? He's your only son. He's the only one that you've got, the one that you love. I want you to take him, hike up on that mountain, and, and, and kill him. Those are the directions. Can God really do that? Can, can God really ask that much of us? If, if God really loves us, why would he ask us to, to sacrifice something or someone that is so important to us that we love so much? It's, it's not like God didn't know that Isaac was this big deal to Abraham and to Sarah. They'd waited for him forever of all the things that God could have asked. All the things God asked for Isaac. Why? Why? Why did it have to be Isaac? Well, I want you to stop here and, and consider something. Who or what is your Isaac? If God said to you, I want you to take fill in the blank and kill it or, or get rid of it or give it away, what would you put in, into that blank. And on the surface, I know that most of us are going to say, oh, my kids, my kids, my spouse, the people in my life that are, that are most important to me. Maybe even something like a body part. You can't, you can't take my lung, right? Maybe, maybe that's what we would say because all of them seem like the right and righteous answer. But ask yourself again truthfully, of all the things that God could have asked you for, why? Why your beloved boat, your beautiful house, your prized Beatles album with John Lennon's signature? Why? Why would God ask you for something that you value so much that is so important to you? What I'm saying here is, is that when it comes to sacrifice, all of us, every one of us wants to bargain 
and rationalize. Of course, of course, you need a coat. I'm going to give you my coat. I don't want to give you the brand new designer one that I just bought in New York City on the trip of a lifetime, but I do have this old denim jean jacket, and that one's yours. I'm just going to give it to you because you need it. See, friends, being generous, that's not the same thing as being sacrificial. And that's a hard thing to hear. Being generous is not the same as being sacrificial. Just because you give a little bit out of your great abundance doesn't mean that you have sacrificed. Giving away your Mercedes while you still have another working car at home, that might be generous, but that is not sacrificial. You haven't really lost anything except for maybe a little bit of status. What's significant about what God is asking of Abraham is that God knows that this is Abraham's only son. This is it. If Abraham gives him up, it's not like we have a spare son in the back somewhere. We're going to go get him. Or even that another son might come along later on. If you sacrifice the lobster and you still eat the macaroni and cheese, it's not like you haven't eaten at all. So there's a difference between being generous and being sacrificial. And so here's where Abraham has to decide what it is that he believes about God. Are God's promises for real? How are the descendants of Abraham going to bless the earth if there are no descendants? Did God just just lead Abraham down this path where, where God was continually faithful until we get to this monumental moment in Abraham's life and in, in Isaac's, where God gets him up on the top of the mountain, pulls the rug out from him and says, just kidding, you're totally screwed. Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering, set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place far away. And then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. Listen carefully to this. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. The way that this passage is written, we don't get to have a glimpse into what's going through Abraham's mind. But can you imagine the conversation he must have had with Sarah the night before? The questions that that he must have had to ask himself? We don't know if if Abraham was a pro-con list sort of guy or what kind of wrestling he had to do with himself and God to to even just have the ability to start out on this journey. What kind of things would you think about if somebody was asking you to sacrifice big time? Why, why this, God? Why, why would you ask me to give this up? And, and why now? And what's going to happen to me if I do this, if I give this up? I really want you to challenge yourself with these questions, especially during Lent. Because what does everybody do during Lent? Every year, somebody's like, oh, I'm going to give up chocolate, going to give up dessert. What's going to happen to you if you do that? Are you trusting God that that you will, what, lose some weight? (laughs) Right? Is that really 
Is that really a sacrifice? The whole conversation changes when you're talking about real sacrifice. It is so easy, it's so easy to trust God if you're going to give up a Snickers bar for 40 days because you already know that there's not a chance. There's not a chance that you're going to starve without it. But, but what if it's your kidney? Because you only have two of those, you know? And, and you've got to have at least one good functioning one for the rest of your life. And, and sure, sure, you're in great condition right now, but, but what about in 20 years? And, and what if you have kids? Your kids need you. What if you give yours away and, and five years down the road, your spouse needs a kidney? And, and what if there's complications and, and something goes wrong and, and you don't make it out? What's your family going to do then? Surely this is the level of reflection that Abraham was having to face. And all that Abraham has to go on to make this choice is what he has known and what he has experienced of God prior to this, which informs what he believes about who God is right now. Again and again, God's been faithful to Abraham. God has kept his promises over and over. God has made a way when there didn't seem like there was a way. God has provided for Abraham always. This is who God's proven himself to be without fail for Abraham's whole life long. And so Abraham set out on this journey, and we don't have it in writing, but you cannot convince me that even in the midst of this, even though he did it, that there wasn't a certain level of fear and worry. It is a scary thing to face the prospect of losing your child. Ask any parent who has ever stood on that threshold. But Abraham went. Sacrifice is scary. And that's why you can't really do it for God unless you trust him completely. I think about this when I think about our missionary partners, the Webs, serving in, in one of the most dangerous countries in the world to be a Christian. They had an amazing life in Alaska. They're my age. Like, they're right in the middle of their careers. They have well-established jobs. They had a beautiful home, a wonderful community, and they have three little children. Alicia wasn't even a year old when they got on that plane and went halfway around the world. They gave up everything, sold everything they had to go and serve. Joel said to me that, that there was no way that he could have done this unless he believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that God would be faithful and provide for them. And he and Karen both admitted that they were scared they were terrified, but they were certain that God was with them. And I think about this a lot when it comes to the, the rapidly growing older population in our country. Because, see, as people are living longer, they are more fearful than ever. And most of that fear revolves around money. Are they going to have enough of it to see them through to the end? What will happen to them? if they don't. So they're scared. They're scared to spend and to give and to share because there's just too much unknown. 
you've, you've all heard about my grandmother the last two weeks. She's 97 years old. When she was 89, she spent about $60,000 to take all of her grandkids and all of her great-grandkids, it would have been about 30 of us at the time, on a Disney cruise. $60,000. And I asked her, I, I said, why? Why would you do something like that? And she had two very clear reasons. First reason, so that she could be there to enjoy it with them. What good is it if she wasn't going to get to be there and to be a part of that and to see, to see how that was going to make a difference in, in their lives? So the memory of this is priceless, not just for her, but, but for me and for all of us that went on the trip. And the second reason, the second reason that, that she said that she did not hold on to the money, that she didn't keep it for herself, was that the timing was right back then. Because see, back then, her great-grandkids were at an age where the Disney cruise would have been a great joy and they would have appreciated it. And if she had waited 10 years to where we are right about now, if she had waited that amount of time, most of them would have been teenagers or off to college. And as a general rule, teenagers don't think that going on a Disney cruise is all that much fun. So she did it. She did it at a time where it was going to bless them and be helpful to them. She didn't hold on to it. And so I asked her, wasn't she worried then? Wasn't she worried that she wouldn't have enough money to see herself through? What if something went wrong? And she looked at me like I was a complete lunatic. And she said, of course something's going to go wrong. I'm 89 years old. <laughs> but the good Lord is going to take care of me. This trip cannot wait. It's that trust that, that God will take care of us that led Abraham to get himself going up the side of this mountain. I want you to notice in verse 5 that he says to his men, the boy and I, we, we will come back to you. Abraham's trust in God slipped out even in the midst of his fear. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, he laid it on his son Isaac, and he carried the fire and the knife. And so the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to, his, said to his father, Abraham, father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, the fire and wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And so the two of them walked on together. Again, Abraham articulates that God is faithful. God's going to provide. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and he laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac, he laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and then Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to kill his son. Freeze frame that for a moment. Picture that. Picture his only son bound to an altar, his hand in the air, standing over his only son whom he loves with phenomenal fear and pain, 
trusting God, even until the very end, that God is going to make a way. That's what sacrifice feels like. That's what sacrifice feels like. If it's really sacrifice, it is going to scare the daylights out of you and leave you in a place where your only choice is to fully rely on God. And friends, don't miss that moment. Do not miss that moment because it is a holy moment. And blessed are you if you even get to have a glimpse of that moment before you reach your final days. Because here's the truth. When your final days come, it will not matter how much money you have, how many cars or houses you own, how much good food you ate. Because in those final moments, all of us, all of us are going to be the same before the Lord. And those, those who have sacrificed early on and who have had that experience that the promises and faithfulness of God are going to be there, that they are strong and secure, they're going to be able to face those moments with a far greater peace, knowing already firsthand that what our God is capable of, that our God can be trusted, and that he who has promised is faithful. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, and he said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on that boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up, and he saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Before you can understand sacrifice, you're going to have to wrestle with belief. What do you really believe about God? Because that belief is going to drive what you're willing to sacrifice. Let's pray. Lord God, we... Uh, we want to think of ourselves as generous people. And yet there are times in all of our lives when you call us to be more than generous. You call us to be sacrificial. And we confess to you that sometimes it's so scary, it's so far beyond our control, that we walk away from that call. And it's not really then about the sacrifice, it's really more about what we believe about you. So forgive us. Forgive us when we do not believe that your promises are secure, that you are faithful to us. Help us to grow. Help us to grow in a way that says that, that we know that you are faithful. We know that if you call us, you are going to provide for us. And as our belief grows, then, Lord, help us to make those sacrifices to which you have called. In your name we pray. Amen.